It's 10 through 16. Is it 10 through 16? 6 through 16. Wait, let me just make sure. But yeah, I think it's 6 to 16. I think I got nervous about reading for so long last time. Should I warm up my voice? Me, 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 me. <laughs> I never do. Um, okay, so what's... I mean, these chapters are kind of short, so it, it might make sense to alternate because they're not super long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, wait, so wait, so do so do alternate, you mean? Yeah, yeah, and because so, I was like, instead of doing like you know chunks, but I think if we alternate whole chapters, I think that'll work. That'll be good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Do you oh want me gosh. to go first? I th- I think I do. Let me see if I can. I'm gonna try to like. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the good stuff. Okay. I have my. I'll show. You, I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> so so we're NIV and it's <laughs> dead dead to sin. Alive in Christ, right? Am I in the right spot? Definitely. Yeah, th- what shall that's we? The, that's the header. Okay. All right. I hope my are, pacing is good. You are definitely I'm in starting. the right spot. Do you want to inter- Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Robbie Burns. Friend, Bible reader. Then that's that's it. That's my introduction to your <laughs> lovely audience. So here we go. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is still the same chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's my app is a little weird. Here I go. Slaves to righteousness. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. But don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's a question. <laughs> am I am I in the right spot? Yeah. Yes. Uh, don't you know? Let me try it again. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that. 
Though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because your human li- because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nice. Um, what translation are you reading? This is NIV. I thought that was the uh, that was the standard. That was the official of... let go and let God. It is. That's so funny because it's like they're like every couple of words, every there are like some words that are different, but it's mostly the same. It's almost exactly the same, but it's interesting. That's interesting. Um, okay. It's not there a problem. different it's, versions. It's not a problem. I'm just, it's just curious. Okay. I also am curious. <laughs> we can, we can discuss to be d- discussed. Stand by to, to be discussed. Yes. Okay. Chapter seven, an illustration from marriage. Do you not know brothers for I am speaking to men who know the law that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code." struggling with sin. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. (laughs) Okay. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. (laughs) So stupid. For apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive, apart from law, But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. But that which is good, then, become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I ought not to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. 
I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. That's uh, some really nice convoluted uh, thinking there. <laughs> yeah. That's classic. Um, That's classic Paul right there. It is. It sure is. Yeah, the wording, the repetition, the, the everything. That's pretty that, – that this chapter, though, is like uh, – underlies quite a lot of Western Christianity, I guess, not specifically Western Christianity, just my experience is Western Christianity, and there's some things that, uh, I've, well, you know what, we're, we're here for business, the thoughts will come after. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Are we life through the spirit now? Is that, are the headings even the same? The headings have all been the same. Oh, interesting. Okay. Life through the spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who were led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Present suffering and future glory. 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be re- with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. More than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any change against those charge who will bring any charge against those whom god has chosen it is god who justifies who then is the one who condemns not one christ jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of god and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every time you said flesh, my copy says sinful nature which is more pleasant to both say and hear than the word flesh. But that's <laughs> just a just a thought. Um, also, you have brothers and sisters. I just have brothers. Mm. I know, which I think is something we talked about the last time. Um, yep. All right, chapter 9. God's sovereign choice. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word has failed. 
for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's child had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raise you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, Then why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And it will happen that in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty has left us descendants, we would have uh, we would have become like Sodom. We would have we would have been like Gomorrah. Israel's unbelief. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Oh, that's it. I turned the page, and that was... I don't think I said the last chapter. That's okay. Do you want me to edit... Do you want to edit me in saying chapter 6 and chapter 8? No. <laughs> no? Okay. People will get it. Well, well, here is chapter 10. <laughs> They'll get it. Okay, great. Uh, is there a heading? No. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. 
For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all the richly the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses us who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. <coughs> but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. <laughs> Couldn't help but getting a little chuckle talking about beautiful feet. So it's just a little... <laughs> Sometimes these things take you by surprise. Hit, hit him. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Okay, chapter 11. The remnants <laughs> of Israel. <laughs> I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then there is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. 
May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. In grafted branches. Again I say, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgressions means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I am talking to you, Gentiles, and as much as I am a, the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be gratified, uh, grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? All Israel will be saved. I do not want uh, want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening, in part, until the, fall, the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, there are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, just as you were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy. Oh, I see. Just as you, who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience, so that he may have mercy on them all. Doxology Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> I'm trying to just hold hold my voice together here. All right. We're so close. Chapter 12. We're so close. Chapter 12. 
a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Humble service in the body of Christ. For by, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I like these ones that are just like a set, a list of instructions. I'm like, great. They're good. I get it. Yes. Because even some of the parables, yeah. I'm like, why are we talking again about mustard seeds? I am confused. What is a mustard seed? But like this, check. That's a checklist. That's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Paul. Yep. It's great. It's great. You know, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Um, okay, chapter 13. Submission to the authorities. No. Uh, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. No. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Which seems... Okay, this is another one I want to come back to. Uh, the authorities that exist have been established by <laughs> okay. God. See, okay, let me just... Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So, before I forget, but we can come back to it, all of the structures of authority were literally murdering Christians in the street. So, if Paul means yet established Christian hierarchical authority structures. Yuck. It just, it just, and then also like, I have, I have, 
this this whole like Christianity is like Jesus spends his entire time talking to Jewish authority figures, telling them how they would need to do things differently. And so for this like <laughs> to be like, but also follow all the rules and make sure you're you know paying attention to the government. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I actually, yeah, I have a uh, thought on that and also a story, but maybe the story can wait. I actually read it as, like, submit to them as in, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> le- <laughs> like they're, I, I read it as, like, they are not of importance to anything I just said and I'm about to say. So, like, that's a set of rules, but these are also a set of rules the set of rules maybe so like yeah i think of it as like similar to that like uh does uh let's see jesus says like uh submit to what oh gosh what is that you've just read it in, <laughs> and i'm gonna misquote it i also probably don't know the the new international version give to caesar what is caesar's give yeah, to God yeah yeah what is god's mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a classic that's how i read uh, yeah but like also i have a story but i'll save it for the end oh my god okay perfect um also Fuck the government is what I have to say about that. <clears throat> Consequently, Houston has rebelling against God, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will command you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, boo, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Love, for the day is near. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, uh, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And to do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than what we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in decession and jealousy. Rather, close clothe yourselves the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I'm like like one for five. Just eh, not great. Uh, again, the flesh is mine. Yeah, that's... <laughs> All right. Chapter 14, The Weak and the Strong. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, 
And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convicted in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brothers and sisters? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Make sure I remember this section when I'm telling you my, my story. Okay. Because it... Okay. <laughs> if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone else for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy, and the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because, if, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Damn. Yeah. I ha okay. Yes. I'm. I literally. I just took it a an agenda list, a note, of things to return to. Um, okay. Great. Chapter fifteen. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Jesus did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, 
I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations, the Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul, the minister to the Gentiles. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points, (laughs) as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Jesus uh, Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God, by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, no, Illyricum, yeah, Illyricum, Illyricum, close enough. I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have um, been hindered from coming to you. Paul's plan to visit Rome. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem and the service, the servants of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come to the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Chapter 16 Personal Greetings I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church, and... Oof, um, <laughs> <laughs> Just go for it. Uh, Sencria? Yeah, okay. sure. That's what I would have said. Great. That's great. Okay. Um, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give to her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Great Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. 
Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas. Eponidas, let's say that, (laughs) who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Sorry, greet. Greet Mary. Greet her. Though she is probably great. Uh, (laughs) Greet Andronachius, is that it? And Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and were in Christ before I was. Greet Amplacius, my dear friend in the Lord. I'm so glad you're reading this part and not me. (laughs) Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Greet Herodian, Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asynchronous, is Asynchronous, Rhytus, Phlegian, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogus, Philo, yeah, sure, Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive their minds of naive people. Let me try that again. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, 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 my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus, sends you their greetings. Now to him, who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now how but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. We did it. That's quite a sentence, that last one. Um, I don't know how to phrase that because the punctuation was taking me on a journey. (laughs) (laughs) This whole, yeah, that is kind of, it's a whole, let's see. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him to the only wise God, 
be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. That seems right. Why don't you just edit that in? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've had two years of practice, so... Yeah, you've done all the names, so <laughs> I was ni- a lot of- it was nice to like push that off on someone for once. Um, you did great. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, the thirteenth chapter sticks out to me, not because it's the most famous, but 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 the, the whole authority bit reminds me. This isn't really even a story. It's just, um, Tell- I mean, it is a story. I'm desperate it's to hear it, so you have to say it now. Well, okay. So, I mean, like, you know, in in my younger adult life, you know, in my last attempt at being in a Bible study uh-huh. in life, um, you know, you, it, it, like, I think everyone meant well. Like, I think, you know, everyone wanted to be a supportive, small community. But, like, the fact that that supportive and small community was, like, always sort of, like, rooted in, like, reading the Bible and, like, trying to figure it out. Yeah. You just came across, there were just, like, wacky scenarios. Like, <laughs> one where, I might have even, like, kind of shared this sentiment the last time that I was here. But, like, you know, the the thing that that I remember fondly of this group was, like, sincere urge to like support people in whatever thing they needed to support in their life and and you got to like you just you were able to establish and define those terms like no one would would question it which meant that it was in some ways you know a a very very uh awesome thing that i have not like really been able to like replicate later in life or find later in life Mm. but there were strange side effects like for example one time someone had been reading that 13th chapter of Romans and felt so convinced by God that they were going over the speed limit when they would drive that they needed prayer that they would be reminded to not drive over the speed limit. And it's a metaphor. But you know what? (laughs) That was for me. Well, for me, I was like, that was because I, I was always in that group and in those kinds of circles. I think one of the very few, if not the only people that people, you know, I would say like, I don't know if I am really the right fit. And everyone would always say like, no, your divergent ideologies are exactly what we need to challenge the group. And it just comes to a certain point where it's like, yes, 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 I hear you. And yes, in religion, you have all people represented. And that's one of the things is about it that I think is good is that, you know, Someone, you know, on paper at least, someone should be able to exist in a community that might not otherwise have anything to do with that community. And, you know, that that the system or the structure itself is something that, you know, the community can stand on regardless of any of that. But but still, (laughs) I I remember saying, like, you know, I don't think I can, like, it feels exhausting to constantly be the person who's, like, pooping on everyone's ideas. Yeah. And, and I think it is for you too, secretly, <laughs> even though you tell me you want me here. So, so I, I don't know if like speed limit Romans 13 guy was the final straw, but it was definitely the thing I remember. It was, as the final a, straw. It was, it was a straw <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but then you go on to read the next chapter, which is why I told you to remind me about it. Yep. Because the, the next one is all like, you know, 
don't worry about if people eat meat or vegetables. I always have loved, I laugh every time in my head that someone who's weak in faith is the same kind of person who only eats vegetables who would only eat vegetables i love it i'm literally the next time i meet someone who's like i'm a vegetarian i'm gonna quote the scripture at them and be like wow <laughs> that really sucks for you i guess what a choice uh, it's hilarious but i it is hilarious but you know what am i maybe like speed limit dude maybe that was like maybe that was just like his way of expressing that he eats vegetables and i should have not condemned Like, I look back on it, and I'm like, that was going to be the... <laughs> like, wasn't wasn't that maybe the benefit? Like, if I sort of, like, do it, like, a double 180, it's like, isn't isn't mm-hmm. that kind of actually the promise of the group that he can say, I'm convinced about that for my own life? And I would say, sure, I support you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Something, so what, what that particular passage makes me think of is... So the more I learn about Judaism and Jewish tradition and Jewish culture, particularly through a close relationship with a Hasidic Jewish woman, is how, like, the more my lens is focused on Jew and Jewishness, we recently had a conversation about how I do not like the word Jewry. <laughs> it's like, it just feels anti-Semitic, honestly, just to say. So, so the Jews, Jewish culture in general, um, is that Jesus is like all of the sort of rule based writing is all specifically reaction to kosher laws and Old Testament laws. And so it's like the, you know, the whole bit of like, you can eat whatever you want, whether it's clean or unclean. There's no there's no animal that's unclean and that will affect you if you eat it. Like, obviously, is a direct reaction to trying to establish this new set of rules that are different from the existing rules. And so it's like, and <laughs> but it's like when it's so, especially in this sort of like narrative translation and presentation of the text, where it's very much like, it's about vegetables and it's funny because the way it's written when you read it is like, it's funny to say the weak minded eat only vegetables <laughs> when it's really yep. about like kosher. It's like a response to kosher rules that people in those communities were following and like getting really stressed out about. So it's, it's also like, yeah, it's about vegetables and it is funny. Like it's funny. Some of it's funny. This is the best thing about it. Is some of it, like you really do get a, you get a good chuckle out of. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's all there. It's all there. It's all. I, yeah. I was. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think I'm going to just sort of perpetually be reading it forever because there's every time I like, I get something different out of it every time that I do. Like there's so much of this section that I don't remember reading the first time. Because it was probably, you know, eight in the morning and I just gotten back from church and I was tired and I was just like, so both listening to you read it and then being a little more careful about reading it out loud because there's a direct audience and not a hypothetical audience. Um, like, I feel like I, I've done like the first read and now I want to really take away from it in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is probably the part one of the parts of the Bible that I've read the most. Really, actually, yeah, like Romans in particular, yeah. or 
Yeah, yeah. This, like all of it. This section of the. This both, both, but really the whole, the whole of it. The whole of the New Testament. No, like Romans specifically. Romans specifically. Why? Yeah. Why? Um. Evangelicals love Romans. <laughs> it's got all. Do they? Yeah, they totally do. Um, hold on, let me. Oh yeah, it's got it's got everything in it. It does. The whole you were it does have everything. You were giggling. In it. You were giggling about not doing what you want to do and <laughs> doing what you don't want to do. <laughs> it's just it's so okay. Yeah, back to that part of it. It's one of the it's one of the few parts of this that I can very directly still relate to. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's um well it's funny because it's sort of this statement so okay so I, I understand the point of you maybe don't know what's a sin until someone tells you it's a sin because I think from like a philosophy standpoint if you don't give something a name it's hard to define it and so like coveting like the concept of coveting something it's a feeling you can have but until someone says like here's the word here's what it means, here's why you're feeling it, and here's why we've made it a sin. I get it. But just the sort of, like, cyclical thinking of, like, I've never sinned because I didn't know about sin, but now I know about sin. I'm definitely sinning, but I blame the sin and not myself because I'm doing what I want to do, and that's about me and not about sin. <laughs> and I'm just like, you can't... It, it- it is definitely used and interpreted as a way to sort of do some like uh, mental gymnastics yeah. to excuse yourself from <laughs> naughty behavior. Naughty behavior. I actually look at it now in life as a way wh- like where I can't run. You know, I can't like excuse anything because it's like I do a lot of things that I don't want to do <laughs> that I know are bad to do, but I know and acknowledge that they are bad to do them, and I want to do better. And I can't explain why I do things. Yeah. That are negative towards myself and to others. Um, so I just look at it as like a sort of a humbling and honest uh, plea to, you know, do better <laughs> by oneself and their moral beliefs. Um, but yeah, it's hilarious. And it, <laughs> I am, um, have been thinking a lot about Paul as a person lately. I was talking with some people about this recently. Um, my my thought, my hot take, my no nuance November is that they're all gay, and that's why it's like, ugh, women, they're the worst. It's because they're all men who love men, and they all love each other. And Paul, for sure, definitely is a homosexual, and I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> so reading all of it is like, I'm like, oh, Paul, oh, Paul, and also just like the style of his writing and the way that. I don't know. Paul. So that's Paul. One, that's my one point about Paul. My second point is a question that maybe you have an answer to or thoughts about is why all of this gets included in the canon. So we have the four Gospels, obviously the four stories of Jesus, which makes sense that that would be the book. But then all of these letters from this random guy who just like became the famous guy. I don't know. I think I just need to read more histories about Paul. But like to me, I'm like, I like all of this. I like the I like it as like narrative fiction, but then sometimes this part is what's 
taken away for people because there's so much more of it than the gospels and then each i mean the gospels are the same story so we get the same the same tales four times so that's really one tale (laughs) and then there's so much more left and that's what people take away and not just like these are the parables presented by jesus christ and these are the messages that we've taken over time it's like there's this sort of immediate more you know does that question make sense yeah it does i mean so well i definitely the kinds of christian experiences i've had certainly like center around paul yeah in those writings more than jesus so uh is that because there's more of them or because they're like i don't know i mean it seems like you know there's a little bit i don't know there's there is we get checklists yeah with paul we get lots of nice things to read at weddings from paul um but we also get a lot of the same ambiguous other stuff that's scattered throughout the whole rest of the book so um, why is that? I don't know. I mean, how the, how the, what is canon became canon? I was actually, I would recommend to you. So you're like really far on this path. So you can certainly, I think you'll be into this book. Um, it's a two volume book called the story of Christianity by Justo Gonzalez. Okay. It's basically like a Christian history textbook, but it's very lay person friendly. Perfect. Um, even just like the first couple of chapters of it undid quite a lot of my, christian upbringing the particularly like all of the notions about like what the early church looked like like right after jesus i mean we, we certainly don't really actually know that much but yeah um yeah i mean you know it's uh people like to at least when i was you know growing up around like young people associated with evangelicalism i think a lot of people like to look at the book of acts and look at that church and like Mm. their closest frame of reference or at least what they what kind of narrative they want to give that time period is uh they want it to feel like you know how like there was like that jesus movement of the 70s you know like the hippie jesus movement there's like like some documentaries and stuff you can watch about it or you can do some uh some wikipedia tunneling later great (laughs) uh, smoke some weed and just um, get really deep into this just like really go go all in um anyway this just this idea of like you know kind of like loving everyone and sharing everything Mm. and living in community and like look kind of looking at it as like a rat i don't know the the story of christianity sort of helped me to realize that like in some ways early christianity looked a lot like judaism in a way that is like i think uncomfortable for a (laughs) christian person to confront because it's like you know there were there were you know, it's it, it, so much of what a thing is, is like still very much a part of its like kind of cultural context and time. And, yeah. um, so I don't know. I, I just think like early Christianity would look unrecognizable to a modern anyone. Um, to a, to a mega so, church pastor. Uh, right. Exactly. It's like whatever you try to say it's about you. I just don't feel like you can really know. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently something that a friend told me recently is there is sort of a a reinterest in uh like Judaic rich not rituals but routines like traditional Christians non-denominational traditional Christians like keeping kosher and doing Shabbat 
and like following those rules, which I think is really interesting because to me that makes a lot of sense. Like to both see the context of where Jesus came from and the reaction to it, and then also whether or not you believe he's the actual son of God. And then also saying like, well, we have this whole text, like we have a new Testament and an old Testament and it's all wrapped up together. So why wouldn't we follow the rules previously established, which I think is a pretty interesting idea. I mean, even like we were talking about earlier, there's still some of it where, you know, about animals and food and clean and unclean that is, allowing people to not follow kosher rules in particular in this case like we were just reading in romans but um so i think there are some rules that are very specifically like we feel differently about this um but then i i do think there's a lot of merit to being like we have this text and this is the rule book and it's more expansive than paul's letters that got published (laughs) in canon with the gospels um yeah which I think is interesting. That is interesting. Um, the Jesus movement is actually associated with the early, I'm sorry, the late sixties wow. and the early seventies. It's amazing. People uh, survived that time period. The Jesus movement was an evangelical Christian movement, which began on the West coast of the United States in the late sixties and early seventies and primarily spread throughout North America, Europe and Central America before it subsided in the late 80s members of the movement were called jesus people or jesus freaks oh its predecessor the charismatic movement had already been in full swing for about a decade it involved mainline protestants and roman catholics who testified to having supernatural experiences similar to those recorded in the acts of the apostles especially speaking in tongues both of these movements held that they were calling the church back to a more biblical picture of christianity in which the gifts of the spirit would be restored to the church so i mean like even though like none none of like like when I was more involved with the evangelical churches, none of it like 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 super wacky. It just looks more like kind of what you would expect from like a generalized sort of like non denominational mega church or whatever. But um but this was sort of underneath if you like took you know, peeled away the layers, like this was under there. This was all under there somewhere. This idea of like, you know, that the Bible portrays somewhat of an if not like cult, perfectly culturally relevant some sort of accurate you know it's giving some sort of demonstration over like what the modern church should look like and yeah i don't know i that's that's a jump for me these days because i think everything has a context and a culture i also think we're making up most of the rules as we go yeah um i think the 10 commandments are a pretty good place to start and that's about how many rules i can keep in my head at any one point it's 10 because they're easy yeah. <laughs> like do not fucking kill anyone like check done number one clear love your neighbors okay working on it you know no I mean, coveting yeah. that's like that's a hard one for me but yeah i think the, those big 10 i i've now just sort of perpetually referring to the big 10 and my success or yeah. failures in the context of the big 10 i'm like 50 50 you're still making a value judgment on them though i mean like i think that like don't we kind of just, you know, like every, everyone it's says like, though, these are the obvious ones. Um, but like, who really, like, did we just, why, why did we decide that those are the obvious ones? Why is it like really obvious to that? Like you should not kill a person. Is that because <laughs> of, the, whoa, right? Like, 
No, but <laughs> it's really early just... in the day. <laughs> you got us there, and I love that for us. I just, I just, I don't know. I, it, it's like it is obvious to everyone. Sort of like, you know, it's sort of like it's also just sort of like a, a very like agreed upon like line that you don't cross yeah (laughs) so it's like but why i don't know there's there's so many other kinds of i guess like non uh physical violence that we tolerate from one another like it's just interesting to me we draw where we draw the lines like oh yeah obviously like don't kill anyone but like uh you know you can be mean as hell to somebody yeah terrorize a person's life with meanness totally uh within bounds i don't know they (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is it's like the language of them and then like how they sort of like their meaning and significance sort of spreads through time is sort of like moving target. That was the other thing that like the story of Christianity really helped me to work through was like sort of the, like it sort of speaks to the resilience of the faith, but also like maybe like, uh, maybe speaks to like how dogmatic, you know, people's interpretation of the Bible are and that like it's really like changed quite a lot. Christianity has changed quite a lot yeah. since it first started. And um his his sort of one of like the what you get the idea is maybe like a main thesis of the book is like that the third third century uh really kind of turns like um puts Christianity into like the oh gosh, how does he phrase it? I gotta basically once you combine, you know, religion in the state you have a totally new kind of thing that he argues is is kind of the era of Christianity we're still living in today. It's still like mm-hmm. third century Christianity. So the second that it does not is not this thing that's taking place in people's homes, um, you know, but instead is this thing that's like sort of like a national religion. And then you start, you know, like converting the world to it. Like it's all of a sudden um, takes on a whole new shape and form and meaning that is kind of still the shape and form and meaning of what it is to us today mm. culturally. Um, and then there are people who will be like, well, Christians are persecuted today and I go to a church and a person's basement and it's like, it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially like American Christians where I'm like, okay, if you were a refugee from Egypt telling me this, I would feel a little bit differently, but um, yeah, Bob Smith from Missoula, it like, okay, bro. Like you said, it's, it's context and it's culture and it's location. It's, pre- yeah, it's precisely that idea though of like some of those verses we just read, even like people meeting in other people's homes. Like it's that, I mean, that's why there's so much of that, like home church stuff happening mm-hmm. these days is because people think they can like sort of, you know, I think, uh, people want to continue to like try to get out of the system but then eventually just end up sort of like whatever new expression of their faith they create ends up just sort of becoming the system and uh yeah i don't know it's kind of an interesting narrative though to think of of like third century christianity sort of like being such a turning point that we've never really escaped that kind of yeah i have i have three points one you've got to read this book we're reading for our politics podcast book club it's called dominion and it's literally exactly about what you're talking about the the history of christianity and how it is like seeped into even everyday 2020 contemporary life it's incredible it's so well written and it's so thoughtful and it just like 
it's great. It's amazing. I've really, I've actually put off finishing it because I'm already mourning that it's over. Uh, it's amazing. Read it. Second, I wonder in uh, the segments about authority, like these, these were these men were truly rebelling against the state. And so I wonder how much there was like an acknowledgement of the censor where they were like, some dipshit is going to read this letter while it's in transit. <laughs> and we have to be like, Caesar, <laughs> give it to Caesar, one of the Caesars. Okay, we said it. Please don't crucify us. Just kidding. They did. Um, but so yeah. that's, that's also a thought where it's this sort of like passive, passive acknowledgement of the structure in which they are operating their rebellion. Um, which I think is funny to me, um, the sensor acknowledgement. And then also my third point that I was thinking about this morning is, like I said earlier, I want to reread for takeaway and not just for like long form performance art. Um, but also I, I have a friend who kind of, sort of formally formally left Catholicism because he didn't like having this sort of one interpretation of faith and like what this book means and what we believe in as a church, which I think is pretty interesting. But then I also like, there are definitely part of like Ephesians in particular. I remember reading and being like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> so I would really love to like read in the context of a Bible study, but also like, I don't want it. I don't want it to be like other people, <laughs> except people I like. <laughs> like I want to bring together like the six people I want to talk about the Bible with <laughs> and make my own Bible study. But then I'm also like, I can just constantly talk to my friends about God, which is what I've been doing. Um, I'm kind of taking these pieces away. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of it where I'm like, I don't get it, <laughs> but I want to get it. But I think also if I read it in a way that's not reading it to complete the reading of it I think I will take more out of it if I can read it slowly and more thoughtfully but those are my thoughts yeah. those are all my feelings that I have wow you got them all out I have far significantly more thoughts and feelings about this <laughs> subject amazing I'm just gonna start um, sending you like drunken voice notes and you're gonna have to bible study me that's uh, that's fine I mean yeah I'm opting that's fine. I'll do my best. responsibility